0: For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin, for I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. You have heard, no doubt, of my earlier life in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. But when God, who had sent me apart, who had set me apart before I was born and called me through His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son to me so that I might proclaim Him among the Gentiles, I did not confer with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were already apostles before me. But I went away at once into Arabia, and afterwards I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and stayed with him 15 days, but I did not see any other apostle except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea that are in Christ." They only heard it said, "The one who was formerly persecuting us is now proclaiming the faith he once tried to destroy," and they glorified God because of me. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. You know, this is one of those sermons today. Uh, it was one of those weird sermons that I do on occasion, where I'm not really sure it's a, I'm not even sure if it's a sermon. Who knows if you'll get anything spiritual out of it? But as I'm reading this text, I felt uh, I, I had some things on my mind. So that's you're going to get my thoughts this morning. Whether they're consistent with God's thought will be up to you uh, to decide. But as I'm I was listening, I was, I was reading this text today, and we talked a little bit about Paul last week we talked about how the letter to Galatians is is Paul making a defense of the gospel he preached while he was sick in the in the area of Galatia he was laid up there and of course even when even when he was sick and in bed he thought well I better spread the the gospel of Jesus Christ and he started teaching the the people in Galatia and he left them there to form churches and to continue to grow in Christ, and after he left, some some people we call missionaries from Jerusalem came from Jerusalem. Probably didn't even know about Paul. Probably didn't even know Paul was down there. And they showed up, and they said, "Well, wait a minute. So you've already heard about Jesus a little bit, but uh, Paul forgot to tell you some of the other things." And they started talking about how. You must follow the Jewish laws and you must follow the Jewish food uh, prohibitions and you must follow the high holy days and all your men must get circumcised. They said, uh, and, and I can imagine that one of the things they said was, well, who is Paul to be going around telling you anything? Who is this? You know, Paul was someone persecuting the church and yeah we've heard that maybe he's converted to christianity but he hasn't talked to anyone who knew jesus and he hasn't been a part of the church in jerusalem so i'm they're questioning whether paul really has any authority to be talking about the gospel and what this does to paul poor paul he gets so angry. In fact, if you read, how many of you? I, I told you to read the text. Uh, I, I shouldn't put you all in this. Larry gets a donut for the day or something because he read the. Who read Galatians? Start to. Oh, Gordon too. Good job, you guys. So Owen, oh, Rhea, they're very good. So if you've done that, do it. If you haven't, just it doesn't take very long. Read the text all the way through and you can see how angry Paul is. I can, I can tell that he just sat down right away and started, started dictating this letter to his scribe and said, you need to tell them some things. And the letter of Galatians is basically Paul's argument, his, his, the case he is making, that the gospel of freedom, the gospel of justification through faith, uh, negates the need to uh, join in the Jewish traditions, if you know from the Gentile perspective. And he makes a very good logical reasoned out case. And we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about that argument. But before he gets into this argument, Paul makes a case for his own authority and that's and that's the focus of this text we're listening to today paul's authority comes from no human being for i didn't consult anybody but i received a revelation from jesus christ and he's talking about his blinding on the road to damascus when he was told and anointed to go and preach the gospel to the gentiles and which he did and why that's why we're here, amen. And it is this question of authority that kind of has put me into a conundrum. Because I'm sure that you can imagine a scenario where someone comes into First Baptist Church and on this, you know, I get here around seven in the morning and imagine seven thirty, someone comes walking into my office and says, Pastor, uh, I have received a revelation from Jesus Christ and I want to address your people this morning. What do you, what do you think is going to happen there? <laughs> well, I, well, I can tell you that people have done that in my past and they have not gotten into the pulpit <laughs> that morning. Uh, we, don't, we don't do that, right? We don't have that, that kind of uh, approach. So so I'm uh, you know so I feel this sense of struggle as I listen to Paul who is going before a group of church members and claiming a particular kind of authority and it got me thinking about the kinds of authority that get projected onto church leaders particularly those in the clergy such as myself where does my authority come from where does the authority of other church leaders come from and i think it's a good question and it's an important question because what i will say to you is that as baptists we're quite different from a lot of other traditional faiths and yet i still think in your heart of hearts in my heart of hearts there's something within us that says a person who is a who is clergy has a particular uh, godliness about them and a particular authority that trumps my own and I guess I want to talk about that a little bit because you know we have seen over the centuries that authority given to the powers of the church that given to people to individuals men mostly <laughs> that power abused and made to you know and used to oppress people and keep people away not only from the kingdom of god but also from the full and abundant life that christ has promised us in a lot of ways i think this issue of authority has set the church back uh, over the centuries and you know many many traditions treat authority quite differently than the baptist tradition does and uh, many many traditions see authority as something that is an anointing that comes from god onto a particular person and so the, the attributes of that particular person or even the skill or the education of that particular person really is of not not much consequence what is authoritative is either some kind of proclamation from a hierarchical system such as a such as a a bishop or archbishop or the pope or something to this effect that's handed down that is anointed through the laying on of hands or through the passing of authority and there's a lot of churches that function that way and there's a lot of advantages to functioning that way but what I want to say to us here today is that one of the things that formed baptists into a group was questioning of that kind of anointing coming from a hierarchical system like that and uh, in the Baptist system, in, in our tradition, uh, church authority is more egalitarian than that. And the authority of God lies not in a person, but in other places. Right? It lies in, first of all, the Scripture the Bible. In fact, the, the Baptists made a big deal out of it. The, or the refer, the, I should say all reformers made a big deal out of this. Part of the why we had the Reformation was because all of a sudden people started reading Scripture. And they started going, wait a minute. My anointed church leader doesn't preach this. My anointed church leader whose authority comes from God seems inconsistent with this. And I question that authority that's been coming from there. And so Baptists and other Reformers said, wait a minute, we should not incur or see that authority vested in any individual, but really rely on Scripture to be authoritative in our faith dealings in our life. Uh, but of course you know as well as i know that i can stand up here and make a case and and so the way this works is i might stand up here and make a case for caring for the poor quoting matthew 25 whatever you do unto the least of these you do unto me and you might nod your head and say yes but then someone might go well wait a minute what about this business of the poor will always be with you and then all of a sudden we have a question of okay which which ones more authoritative what is this one saying and this is where my education helps right Uh, I went to school for this stuff and so (laughs) so but it's incumbent on me to kinda make a case right I gotta make a case based on scholarship and say well you know uh, we got this and this and this and uh, this is why but ultimately it is the power of the persuasiveness of scripture Here's my thing Here's part of what I'm getting at here is, is, is that, yes, I think the Bible is authoritative in our, in our faith life and in guiding our life in general and in giving us a lens through which to make sense of the world. That is, It is articulating to you and me the life of Jesus Christ and it is that life that gives our faith meaning. Amen? The life of Jesus Christ. And sometimes we think the Bible is great for that because of who wrote it, right? That it was blessed by God, it was inspired by God. And I think that's, I agree with that. I have no problem seeing the Scripture as inspired by God. But what makes it valuable to our faith life is not who said it so much as what it says. The reason we have this 3000 2000-year-old document in our hand is because it speaks truth to our heart. Amen. It speaks truth into our faith life. It speaks truth through the ages. It reaches out and the the voice of Jesus Christ coming to us as 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 translated to us through those who who were close to him and those who were in Given the story to pass on. Luke, who followed Paul around and and interpreted things and told the story from a particular perspective in order to give us that lens and to, to speak those truths that were spoken to the apostles from Jesus Christ. But whether you knew who said it or not, what it says... Points to life, points to wholeness, points to a a full and abundant life, points to the wonders of God and the connection that we share with one another. The power is in what it says. Right? It's brilliant. Whatever you do unto the least of these, you do unto me. Uh, Jesus saying, you know, if you want to treat me well, treat those who are least among you well. That's brilliant. And it makes great sense. If, if we didn't believe Jesus was the Son of God, we'd just think He was a really smart guy and we'd listen to what He had to say. Amen? So uh, So we wrestle with the truth of the text together. Right? And granted, I went to school for this sort of thing, and uh, that's, you, uh, you brought me on board here in order to shed some light in that area. I, I feel like I'm chasing all over the place, but that brings me back to another thing. You know, a good search committee called me to this church three something years ago. And if we were behaving like Paul, I could have walked in and just said, Well, I feel called to this church. I feel like Jesus has called me here. And I, in fact, I had a dream that I should be here. And, you know, by all rights, that should have been the end of the interview, right? <laughs> well, I can tell you it was not. <laughs> it was not. I was not hired because of my call from which I felt called to be here. But that was between me and Jesus, really. Uh, and you might experience the truth of that calling. That is that we're a good fit together. I fit in well here. And you, you know, we all seem to be moving in the same direction. But they wanted to know what was my experience. They wanted to know what was my education. They wanted to know what were my ideas and my vision for how to do ministry in the urban context. They wanted to know a lot. (laughs) Jane Nelson in particular (laughs) wanted to know a lot of things. They wanted to know if I was a person who brought some important things and skills to this community. Now they wanted to know if I loved Jesus. And they wanted to know if I felt called to be here. But they wanted to know a lot more than that. And uh, it behooves us to, to remember that. I guess I just want to make maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot. I just want to make a case today that the anointing I have from Jesus Christ to do my calling is no different, no better, no bigger with, it might be a little bigger, and uh, that is to say there 's more going on there, perhaps, but it is no different in any way, shape, or form. I, in fact, I take that back it 's not even any bigger than anything else than the one you have to do your ministry and your calling so and what is authoritative in our setting is the scripture, but not even the scripture as I present it to you but the scripture as you and I wrestle with it together and we say this guides our life or in your own personal study this guides my life and try not to do this try not to project that onto me (laughs) and I'll try not to project it onto you but what our life together is Is something that we work out together. And that comes to my second point of what is authoritative in our life together as a church. What is authoritative is the shared, clear, and compelling vision of God that you and I have discerned together. That we all have come together and say, God is calling us to that. That is what we are about. And and so it all begs. So, Scripture, as we wrestle with it together, and a clear, shared, and compelling vision that we have discerned together. Not my vision, although I might throw some things out there, but something that we have all heard the voice of God call us to. Amen? Together. So what is my role? I mean I do have a role here. <laughs> but my role is to be responsive to those two things, to be responsible and responsive to the scriptures as we wrestle with it and to be responsible and responsive and and to help us kind of articulate and discern together that vision and then to be responsible to it. Ultimately, what I'm getting at is you and I are all in this together. And we each have a stake in God's work within this body, within this church, within the church universal. We each have a role to play. And and I caution us to, put, to not put too much weight or to claim, I caution you this, to claim the authority of God unto yourself or to project onto me the authority of God. Outside of that sense of spiritual connection we have or the authority you're willing to give me in your life. Some, some, some of us have that kind of relationship, right? Right? There are some of you who feel perfectly at ease telling me when I'm wrong, (laughs) when I'm outside of God's desire for my own life. I mean, we have that kind of relationship. And there's some of you, I have no problem going, man, you are way out there. But that has nothing to do with my authority. It has to do with my love. My love for you. And your love for me, and the love we share together, and the desire we have for each of us to experience the fullness of God. I'm going to leave it there, for us to know, you know, gnaw on a little bit. And I guess I'm left kind of questioning Paul's authority here. But what I'll say about Paul's authority is that I don't think Paul. I think Paul was being defensive. I don't think Paul needed to say that this message came from God and I'll tell you why because as we go through the next few weeks reading Paul's reasonable and well-thought-out argument for why the gospel of freedom and the gospel of justification through faith makes sense you will hear as I hear the voice of God speaking through those wonderful words And Paul makes his case without having to claim dominant authority over someone else. It's what it says that gives it authority over our lives. And how it points us toward love and life. So I don't have to claim particular authority. I just have to be responsible to the Word of Life that comes to us all. Amen? let us pray our loving and gracious God we we commit ourselves to your authority and one of the things I neglected to bring up I suppose is that we are responsible to that sense of connection we have to you within ourselves as individuals who have a deep and meaningful relationship with you help us to recognize your voice amongst us, and help us not to project your authority onto individuals uh, lest that lead to uh, a, a leaning away from the Gospel of truth. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.